guessed it slowed down by scott or good day to you my name is matt and this is day 14 of 30 days of love created by amy leo with intention inspired and today's intention is i am patient today we will be using patience as an act of self-love while exploring the difference between intellectual and visceral experiences. I am patient. Mm -hmm. Accepting delay without annoyance or anxiety. So here is a little welcome message from Amy Leo. Halfway through the challenge, welcome to day 14. I hope you're doing a little bit of a happy dance. (laughs) If you've made it this far, it's fantastic. You likely are already at the part in the program where your initial excitement and enthusiasm has begun to wane a little bit. Your motivation, perhaps, maybe, maybe not, isn't as strong as it was when you started because there's lots of other things in your everyday life that are calling for your attention. So today's intention is patience. And in the going deeper section, we're going to talk about learning and kind of two different ways that we tend to learn as human beings. Check it out, especially if you're more interested in doing this challenge because you want to feel the effects in your daily life, right? That's why most of us are here. It's not to recite facts, figures, and research studies about love. It's to have the experience of more love on a regular basis. Love that's easeful, that's not forced. And so check out today's Going Deeper section. I'm sure it's going to really help you along your journey as you continue to foster and grow your sense of love. Beautiful. Okay, well, if you guys want to prime the mind, prime the heart, prime the soul with a little affirmation with me, Feel free to repeat after me or repeat in your head. I am patient because I know sustainable growth unfolds on its own timeline. Much like a caterpillar, Cannot hurry down. I'm going to restart this whole affirmation. (sighs) I am patient. Because I know sustainable growth unfolds on its own timeline. Much like a caterpillar cannot hurry along its own metamorphosis. In the cocoon, I am patient 
because I know sustainable growth unfolds on its own timeline. Much like a caterpillar cannot hurry along its own metamorphosis in the cocoon to become a butterfly, I also respect the process of my own transformation. I humbly accept the order in which things naturally happen. My patience in itself is an act of kindness. I am patient. Okay, let's go into the deep dive. We have a, a seven minute going deeper session with Amy. So let's dive right in. We are halfway into this 30 days of love challenge. There likely have been moments when you felt excited, learned something new, and also moments where you felt frustrated, disappointed, or even had the thought, I know this already. I invite you to take a deep breath. Everything is okay. You may feel frustrated with the lack of tips, tools, and to-dos, or you may find this approach refreshing, relieving, and invigorating. Whatever you're feeling, trust what called you here to do this challenge in the first place. You're here for a reason, likely because the how-to articles, books, and advice-based methods have not fostered a deeply transformative and sustainable shift in the realm of love for you, at least one that's not felt on a daily basis. Most of us think of ourselves as reasonably intelligent people, so we don't find many of the concepts already presented here particularly difficult. It's easy for us to catch on to intellectual ideas such as the ego, the issue with shame and self-criticism, the trap of better, skinnier, prettier, the spell of inadequacy, insecure versus secure thought, the needless and unhelpful nature of jealousy and envy, and the rat race of continually grasping for someone or something outside of oneself to make oneself feel better. Again, you may have said to yourself, duh, I know about that already. Every time I've spoken about thought so far, since many personal development methods such as NLP, law of attraction, traditional coaching, and psychological theories such as CBT or positive thinking speak about thought, you likely have made an assumption that you already know the context in which I'm talking about and describing thought. I've been referring to the principle of thought, that which even allows your conscious thinking to occur in the first place. So the principle of thought includes your conscious and unconscious thinking. It includes memory, emotion, sensation. Thought as a principle is like the creative Play-Doh of life. 
your conscious thinking, what you think about your body, what you think you want to eat tonight, what you think about your partner, those are creations that you've already made with the Play-Doh. And if you haven't had the experience yet of a thought that came across your mind, I know this already, perhaps you've had the thought that this couldn't possibly help you and your unique situation. You may have been saying to yourself, I'm really screwed up. I have real problems. This cannot possibly help me. But I invite you to inquire more deeply. As Sydney Banks alluded to, the power of thought is not self-created. Inquire today the connection between thinking and feeling. Is it true that thought does create feeling and thus our sense of feeling loved or unloved? Is it really as simple as that? That each one of us has a constant mental filter that shapes our experience of the world. What if there really is no objective world out there for us to experience, only our rendition of it? Can you feel the truth of that viscerally? This doesn't mean there isn't a world out there that if we don't step in front of a bus, we aren't going to get hit. But what affects us, what holds our attention in the world, and for how long is the result of thought? There's a difference between intellectual knowledge and visceral knowledge. So do your natural actions show that you know this, that you really know this about thought? Or are you still berating yourself or blaming others based on thinking that looks real to you? Do you still find yourself in conflict with a loved one or feeling bored or dissatisfied in that relationship? Do you still blame yourself for not finding Mr. or Mrs. Wright? Do you spend much of your time still in rumination, worry, fear, and overthinking? Whenever we think we know something, or if we think we'll never know something, We stop listening deeply. We stop being receptive to new ideas or understandings. The most difficult thing to learn is indeed something you think you already know. Again, there's a distinct difference between understanding something intellectually and having an embodied understanding of something, understanding something so deeply that it impacts your day-to-day living. Oftentimes, this is called instinctual learning. And often, though not always, it takes time until some critical mass occurs of understanding and a lightning aha moment emerges. I like to imagine that we all have little popcorn seeds of insight that'll lead us to a kinder and kinder life that are just waiting to pop. So no matter where you are in this moment, I encourage you to finish this journey with me. Start becoming even more attuned to that little voice in your head. Have you realized that voice exists? That voice that is always either accepting, rejecting, or questioning 
play around with the notion that Eckhart Tolle proposed that who you are is not actually that voice in your head that is constantly liking or disliking things, but that who you are is actually the observer, the listener of that voice, the space of pure consciousness. So take it one day at a time. If this journey takes more than 30 days, which it likely will, there's nothing wrong. Respect and honor your individual process. Nice. Thank you, Amy. That was beautiful. Whatever resonated with you in that, let's speak that in a little deeper with this mantra for the day. It goes like this. You never know which raindrop will make the flower petal bloom. Let's uh, repeat that three times together. You never know which raindrop will make the flower petal bloom. You never know which raindrop will make the flower petal bloom. You never know which raindrop will make the flower petal bloom. Awesome. Okay, today's challenge with our intention of patience is to take a sacred pause and release some tension. And we can do that with um, this really powerful mindfulness exercise with Tara Brock. So here's Tara. So one of the biggest gifts we can give to ourselves in the midst of busyness is to take what I call the sacred pause. And there's a understanding in the Chinese script for that the word for busy is uh, the same as the word for heart killing. And when we pause from the busyness, when we stop, it actually gives us a chance to come home to our hearts again. So right now you might explore that just to stop whatever you're doing and make sure you're sitting in a way that's comfortable, that you're sitting upright so there's an alert quality, but also relaxed. You might close your eyes and sense as you arrive in this pause of becoming still. Sense a kind of deepening attention so that you can feel your body sitting here. You might take a few full breaths, inhaling deeply. And as you inhale and fill the lungs, just hold for a moment and slowly exhale. And again, inhaling deeply, holding for a moment. And as you exhale, sense a letting go. Just give yourself that gift of letting go so that as the breath becomes natural now, you can just relax with your breath. As the breath comes in, opening to receive the breath. And with the out breath, again, a releasing, a relaxing. It can help to arrive in this pause by sensing what Thich Nhat Hanh describes as the half-smile of the Buddha, 
a slight but real smile. So just sense that. Let there be a small smile. You can also sense that you're smiling into your eyes, softening the eyes. And as you feel that half smile, it can help you connect with an atmosphere of gentleness and receptivity, of meeting this life with kindness. Half breath by half breath now. Feel yourself here. Senses awake, receptive, and present. As you sit quietly, you can find yourself more easily letting go of tension in other parts of your body that might habitually be holding tightness. See if you can relax a little on the shoulders. Just sense an ice kind of tightness, an icy tightness melting, ice to water, and water to gas. Feel the hands and feel them from the inside. Let them rest in a very easy way and soften so you can feel the tingling that's there. Let there be an openness to the chest just to feel the natural rise and fall of the breath. Let this be a homecoming. Feeling the breath feeling your body, letting life live through you, a pause that allows you to re-arrive in presence. Namaste. Namaste. Thank you, Tara. appreciate how how much some intentional breaths can shift things, relax things. Whew, so good. Ah, okay, we have a science study today. This one comes from Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. National Academy of Sciences, okay. Um, from the article beliefs about willpower power determine the impact of glucose on self-control. Very interesting. So this study shows that ego depletion is a theory that self-control or willpower is a limited mental resource that requires glucose and can be used up. Yet, how people think about willpower, whether they believe it's a limited resource or not, determines if they experience ego depletion. Thus, only those who believe that willpower is a limited resource show poor performance without sugar and a replenishment effect with sugar. So this research lends itself To another question, if we believe we don't need to use willpower in order to experience change, 
can change happen naturally, frequently, and effortlessly. Today's quote is from Lao Tu, who said, Nature does not hurry, yet everything is accomplished. Ain't that the truth? Okay, wrapping it up today with a journal prompt. I am patient journal prompt, so go ahead and get your journal if you have one. Get your writing device out and ready. And start to bring to mind something that you have um, both an intellectual understanding of as well as an embodied understanding of. An example could be riding a bike. You understand intellectually that in order to ride a bike, you need to be able to balance in a certain way. And then your embodied understanding is the moment you can actually ride the bike for a long time without falling down constantly when you have successfully learned how to ride a bike. <clears throat> so whatever that might be, um, something you have both an intellectual understanding of as well as an embodied understanding of. And, and then start to journal on this question. How does this intellectual versus the embodied understanding differ from one another? So go ahead and hit pause and give yourself some time to jot on that. Okay, for me, dancing, such an intellectual and technical ebb and flow. Yeah, dancing has seemingly infinite styles, forms, technical techniques to learn and refine. Yet one doesn't need any of those intellectual understandings in order to successfully groove to the beat. I do enjoy revisiting some of the things I've learned from salsa lessons, swing dancing, and even grade school line dancing. And yet even more, I enjoy letting go of these technical know-hows and let my body flow to the rhythm moment by moment, not knowing what the next move will be exactly. So both the technical and the embodied understanding serves to deepen my experience, and I thoroughly enjoy dancing between the two. The technical understanding helps me instill confidence and just a, a wider array of information to play with. Though I notice the more I fixate on the techniques, the further I disconnect from an embodied rhythm. Yet through practice, the technical understanding becomes ingrained to that cellular embodied level. And then this embodied understanding helps me return to the moment of how my body wants to flow. This embodied sensing also brings more awareness to myself and the collective rhythm of others in the environment. So that's, yeah, that's uh, kind of what I came to with with the flow between intellectual and embodied understanding. Very cool. Very cool. Thanks for the prompt, Amy. And uh, we're just going to have a little farewell message from Amy, and we will bid you adieu. So here she is.
So I'd love to hear from you today how these different modes of learning have shown up in your life or perhaps not shown up. You know, how, how does it feel? What's the difference when you understand something intellectually, but then when you have an embodied understanding where it really effortlessly informs your actions, your feeling states day to day. It's kind of that unconscious learning and living. It's almost like a muscle memory, (laughs) you know, if we compare it to how they train athletes. And this experience of self-love, of love in general, can be very much similar to that of training an athlete. So I'm curious if you experience that way. If you don't, um, it really is individualized, right? So leave a comment, join the discussion today. I look forward to seeing you again tomorrow. Right on. Thank you, Amy. I like that technical and embodied approach to love. Wow. Hmm. Very cool. Well, thank you for joining us on this intentional journey, this journey of love, and today the journey of patience. Tomorrow we will be exploring the intention of flow. Oof, that's going to be a juicy one. I can already feel it flowing. So until then, enjoy a nice, slow, patient, loving day. And I'm going to go ahead and leave you with the song Slow Down by Scott Orr. Enjoy the day.
Slow down, slow 